Good morning. Um, I apologize about the lateness of these um, of these two recordings. Um, it just uh, took me a bit to um, to uh, progress in my healing, and I'm finally able to uh, get down to this. So um, we are on three A um, in Chagiga Gimel Amud Aleph. We are four lines down from the top, the very beginning of the line. My Shnal Inyan Reia. And what we are talking about is as follows. We said that somebody um, who is either deaf or cannot speak, so has one of those two, um, suffers from one of those two things. We said that those people, um, they have an obligation to rejoice on the three festivals, but do not have an obligation to appear in the temple on the three festivals. So we're wondering why the difference? Why do they have an obligation to rejoice, but they don't have an obligation to appear? Usually if you are not, if you're not obligated in one, you won't be obligated in other mitzvot and other commandments. And yet here we see, seem to see a split. So what's the reason for that? So my why do we differentiate? Or what is different about the obligation to appear Dipitiri, which we say that these um, people are exempt from that obligation. Umay shnal enyan simchan. What is the difference between um, rejoicing, the idea of rejoicing on the festival de mechayvi, in which we say that these people are obligated? So why are we differentiating? So he answers as follows. When it comes to appearing in the temple, gomar reia reia mehakel. We learn from the um, from the two two of the same words that appear in two different places. So there's a concept when we are um, when we're when we are uh, learning the Torah. Um, there's a concept called the Gezerah Shava. A Gezerah Shava is a type of exposition that we make when we see two of the same words in two different uh, in two different parts of the Torah. We say that the fact that those same words appear in two different parts of the Torah teaches us that there are similarities between those two portions of the Torah. So we are going to learn that in this case as well. So gamma ri'ia ri'ia, we see the word ri'ia, which means appearing, both by the festivals to appear in the temple, and we see that the word ri'ia also is um, taught, is used when we talk about mehakel, the idea of hakel. What hakel is, is this idea that every seven years, um, during the holiday of Sukkot, the king of Israel would sit in the temple's courtyard and would basically read parts of the Torah to the entire Jewish people gathered there. So hakel is means to gather. It's all of the Jewish people gathering to hear the king read from the Torah in a, um, to everybody. So we have the word to appear by hakel, and we have the word to appear by appearing in the temple on the three festivals. So we're going to say that they are they have stuff in common. So let's t- t- let's uh, first see where where it appears where this word appears when it comes to hakel dichsiv. As we learn in the verse, Hakel es ha'am, gather up the nation, ha'anoshim, the men, ve'hanoshim, and the women, ve'hataf, and the children. Uchsiv, and right after that it says, bevo chol Yisrael. When all of Israel comes, le'ra'os, to appear, to be seen. 
before Hashem. So we see that the idea of appearing, the word appearing is mentioned by Hakel. And we also, of course, know that the word appearing is mentioned by appearing on, on the, at the temple during the festivals. Um, so we say that there's something in co- that they have in common. And what is it that they have in common? So we're going to say that just like by Hakel, somebody that can has suffers from either being deaf or not being able to speak is specifically not included in the obligation of Hakel, so too someone suffering from one of those two things is also specifically not included in the obligation to appear in the temple um, three, uh, at the three festivals of the year. Now the question is, there, where do we know it from? Where do we know that in the case of Hakel, somebody that suffers from one of these two things is either deaf or mute? From where do we know that in that, in that scenario they are exempt? Because the verse says by Hakel as follows, that you have to gather together the people so that they will hear and say, and so that they will learn. That's how you translate that verse. Vitanya, and we learned in Abraisa as follows, so that they will hear. This obviously is excluding somebody that can speak but cannot hear that they are not obligated in the mitzvah of hakel, in the obligation of hakel. And when it says, and in order that they shall learn, this comes to exclude somebody that can hear but cannot speak. Now we have an obvious question. So the Brisa just told us that um, the Brisa just told us that we learn from the fact that the verse says so that they will hear that somebody that cannot hear but can speak is going to be um, excluded from the obligation or is not obligated. And we also said that from the word from the words so that they will hear so that they will learn this excludes somebody that can speak but cannot hear. And the question is obvious. Um, how could you possibly say that somebody that can hear but cannot speak? How could you possibly say that? Um, how could you possibly say that the, those people cannot learn? Of course, somebody that can hear, even if they cannot speak, can learn, and we even have proof for this. So lememra the chilo mishta'i lo gamar. Are you going to tell me that somebody that cannot speak cannot learn? hanu ilmi. There is one time those two deaf, those two mute people, two people that couldn't speak, to havu de Rebbe, that were in the neighborhood of Rebbe, the great, uh, the great rabbi referred to as Rebbe, b'nei vartei de Rabbi Yochanan ben Gudgada, and these people, these mute people, were the sons of Rabbi Yochanan ben Gudgada's daughter, the Amrila, and some say b'nei ach say Rabbi Yochanan, some say that they were the sons of Rabbi Yochanan's sister, the chol emas the hava ayol Rebbe levei medrasha, and it's said about them as follows, that whenever Rebbe would come to the study hall, Havu Aile, these two, um, these two young men, would also come to the study hall, the Yasvi Kamayu, and they would sit before him, Umanadi Vereshayu, and as he was teaching, they would move their heads, Umarachashin Svasayu, and they would move their lips. Uvai Rebbe Rachameyalayu, and Rebbe used to pray for them, Vitasu, and eventually they healed and they were able to speak eventually. And once they were able to speak, it was found to have Ugemiri that they had learned that they were completely fluent in Hilchasa, uh, in halachic rulings, Visifra, 
um, one type of midrash, one type of area of the oral tradition, visifri, and another area of the oral tradition, another type of midrash, vikula hashas, and the entire six orders of the Mishnah. So we see very clearly that even though you may not be able to speak, as long as you can hear, you'll be able to learn. Um, so Omar Marzuch, so if that's the case, how can you tell me that you're going to learn from the words so that you can learn, so that they will learn, um, that we learn from there that somebody that cannot speak but can hear is exempt from the mitzvah of hakel, the obligation of hakel of gathering um, in the temple to hear the king read the Torah. So Omar Marzotra, so Marzotra said, Kari You're right. We have a tradition that the way we read that word, Laman Yomadu, is Yomadu, which means to learn. But there's another way to read that word, which would be Yelamedu, which means to teach. And what this is teaching, and the way to interpret this verse, although we read the verse as Laman Yomadu, what we're seeing here is that we interpret the verse when we're explaining what it means. We'll reinterpret the verse as if it's written as Laman Yilamedu, which means to teach. And then this makes more sense because somebody that that can uh, can hear but cannot speak, um, it's very difficult for them to be able to teach, um, to orally teach. Obviously, they cannot orally teach. And therefore, when it says Ulaman um, and in order that they should learn slash teach, the way we interpret is in order that they should be able to teach. And that would exclude somebody that cannot speak. To orally teach, that would exclude somebody that cannot teach, that cannot speak. And that is how we learn the exemption in the case of Hakel. Ravashi Omar, Ravashi says, Vadai Laman Yilameduhu. Even without talking about, even without getting into the fact that somebody that can, that can, uh, speak, uh, that can hear but cannot speak is able to learn, you're forced to say, we must say that the verse is saying that uh, it should be interpreted as lamanula may do as, as um, in order that they be able to teach. Because if you're going to say the interpretation of that verse is so that they can learn, and then we would say that somebody that cannot speak is not able to learn without getting into how false that is. Um, how, how that's not a reality, but if let's say that's what the verse said, and the understanding was that somebody that couldn't speak um, would not be able to learn. And then furthermore, somebody that cannot hear, the reason that they are exempt is because they cannot learn, right? The reason that they are exempt is because they cannot learn. Hai milaman yishmu'unafka. Then you could have learned everything out from the part of the verse that says in order that they will hear. Because in order that they will hear, that would teach us that somebody that cannot hear is not um, obligated in hakel to gather to hear the king read the Torah. And the reason for that would be is because they don't know how to learn. They, they can't, they're not able to learn. And once we would say that, then we would extend this. If we believe that somebody that could not speak was also not able to learn, then they could be included straight in the verse that says they would be ex- included in the um, in the exception from the words that say in order to be able to hear, in order that they will be able to hear. Uh, because the reason that somebody can't hear is exempt is because they cannot learn. And if we assume that somebody that cannot speak, also cannot learn, then they sh- we should be able to learn their exemption from the verse that says, the words in the verse that say that they cannot hear. 
Elevadai Lamanyulamedu, who rather it must be that the second part of the verse is, should be interpreted as in order that they shall teach. And then we're teaching you two different things. Then we're teaching you two different things. And then that makes a lot of sense. So in other words, what we end off with is as follows. The reason somebody that cannot hear or cannot speak is going to be exempt from appearing in the temple during the three festivals is because we find similar language used by the festivals as we do by the gathering to hear the king read the Torah every, uh, every seven years on Sukkot. And we know in that scenario, when it comes to the gathering on Sukkot, we know that um, from the verse that somebody that cannot hear and somebody that cannot speak, that they are both exempt from the gathering. And therefore we learn as well, we learn because of the common language that so too when it comes to appearing in the festival, during the festival, into the temple in Jerusalem, that uh, they, somebody that cannot hear and somebody that cannot speak, they will be exempt from that obligation, from that mitzvah. But we have no reason to believe that they are exempt from rejoicing during the festival and therefore that they are still obligated in. Okay, now that we are on the topic of this Gezerah Shava, this common language that teaches us similarities between appearing in the temple on the festivals and the gathering to hear the king read the Torah at the temple on Sukkot every seven years, we're going to continue talking about that Gezerah Shava, that common language that teaches us similarities. And we're going to say as follows. Amar Rebbe Tanchum. Rebbe Tanchum said... Someone who is deaf in one ear is exempt from re'iyah, the mitzvah of appearing in the temple during the festivals. Because it says in the, when it comes to hakel, uh, it says, it says in their ears. It says uh, that the Torah is going to be read by the king in their ears. And the fact that it says by the gathering, by hakel, in their ears, that would teach us that you need to have two ears in order to be included in the obligation. And if by hakel you need to have both ears working in order to be included in the obligation, we will say so too when it comes to coming to the temple for the three festivals, that so too you need to have both ears neither ear can be deaf in order can be deaf in order to be included in that obligation. But now we ask a question. But wait a minute. That verse, those that word of in their ears, the taught by Hakel, we need that verse. We need that word to teach us something different. But Yisrael, that the king, king's reading of the Torah needs to be in the ears of the entire Israel, meaning they all must come to hear him. We need that for that. Therefore, we cannot say that the word in their ears is coming to teach us that somebody that is deaf in one ear is not included in the obligation. So we say, no, that law that all of Israel has to come, that can be learned from before all of Israel that it says also by Hakel. But then we say, wait a minute, if you're going to tell me that we know that all of Israel has to appear because it says... Um, in front of all of Israel, the king will read the Torah. From that verse alone, you would have thought that they all need to be there, but it's all right if they're there, even if they all are not hearing what the king has to say. 
Kasav Rachmana Ba'aznehem, and that's why the Torah wrote in their ears, the to teach us that everyone needs to hear it. So in their ears is necessary to teach us that it's not enough just to appear and see the king reading the Torah, you have to be able to hear it. So everybody has to be close enough to hear it, which means that the, the word in their ears is not available to teach us that you need to have both ears working in order to be included in the obligation. So we answer, no, those that the word in their ears is include is available to teach us that you need to have both ears working to be included in the obligation. But if that's the case, then where do we know that you need to hear it? It's not enough just to appear. That comes from the words in order that they will hear, which it says by Hakka, which it says by this gathering to hear the king read the Torah. So that's where we know that you need to hear it from, that everybody needs to hear it. They have to be in close enough proximity to hear the king reading, which means that the in their ears is available to learn from there to deduce that somebody whose both of their ears are not working, who only has one ear working, who's deaf in one ear, that they are actually exempt from the obligation of hakel. And once we know they're exempt from the obligation of hakel, we say that the common language by hakel and by appearing at the temple during the festivals, we'd say that therefore somebody that is deaf in one ear is also going to be exempt from that obligation. Okay. Now we're going to keep on going. Now that we're on this topic, we're going to uh, continue talking about um, Rebbe Tanchum's teachings. This teaching, again, is also very relevant because it's about appearing in the temple during the festivals. Rabbi Tanchum, Rabbi Tanchum says... Um, Rabbi Tanchum says... Someone who is lame in one foot um, is exempt from the mitzvah of appearing in the temple during the festivals. Shene'emar, because the verse says rigalim. Rigalim means the festivals. So the Torah is telling us that on three rigalim, on three festivals, you have to appear in the Torah. In, 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 I'm sorry, you have to appear in the temple. But the thing is, is that that's the verse, that's the introductory verse to that concept. Then the Torah continues on to tell us that on Sukkot and on Passover and on Shavuot, you have to appear in the temple, which then means that that introductory verse would seem to be completely superfluous. It must be available to teach us something else. And we know that the word regalim, besides for meaning festivals, also those same letters mean feet, two feet. So what the Gemara is telling us right now is that the word rigalim, festivals or feet, is coming to teach us that if one of your feet is not working, one of your, you are lame in one foot, you are also not obligated to appear on the three festivals in the temple. But now we ask, wait a minute, but wait a minute, didn't we need, didn't we need the words on the festivals or on the feet to, uh, to teach us a different exemption? Didn't that come to teach us that even that somebody that is um, that somebody that has a wooden foot is exempt from coming up on the festival, and therefore it, that this word regalim is not available to teach us that somebody that is just lame in one foot um, would not uh, would not would be exempt from coming up to the temple on the three festivals. 
So he answers follows. No. There's another word that's in that introductory verse. And as we said, that whole introductory verse is superfluous, so it must be available to teach us something else beyond its simple meaning. And another word in that verse is shalosh pe'amim bashana. It says three times during the year. Now that word three times, times, pe'amim, times, would also seem to be superfluous, right? That whole verse is superfluous. So it must be coming to teach us something else. Titania, because we learned in the Brisa as follows. And so now, so now we are saying that the word times also means feet. Pe'amim can mean both times and feet. And what we're saying is, is that that word that seems to say that you need to have, you know, that uh, three times or times or feet would come and teach us that somebody with wooden feet um, would not be obligated to appear in the festivals, uh, in the temple during the festivals. Ditanya, now, um, Ditanya, because we learned in Abraith, as follows. Pe'amim, it says three times during the year. Aim pe'amim el the word pe'amim also means feet. V'chein hu omer, and we and we have other proofs for this that the word pe'amim can mean feet. The first um, proof, the first uh, text proof that we're going to bring to show us that the word uh, pe'amim can mean feet is from a verse in Isaiah. There it says, "Termasena rogel, the foot will trample it, ragle ani." The feet of the poor, pa'ame dalim, the feet of those that are impoverished. So we see there that the word pa'am can mean a foot. Ve'omer, and furthermore, it says in Shir Hashirim, it says in Song of Songs, ma yafu pa'amayich, ba'ne'olim, how beautiful are your feet in sandals, bas nadiv, the daughter of the noble person. Right? So we see two times that the word pa'am, that means time, can also mean feet. So we learn from the fact that it says pe'amim, that says that uh, that it says that superfluous word pe'amim, which can mean two feet, which would tell us that somebody with wooden feet, without actual feet, would be exempt from this obligation, which then leaves the word rigalim, which means both holidays and feet. That would be available to teach us that somebody that is lame in one of their feet would also be exempt from the obligation to appear in the temple during the three festivals. Okay, now we're going to focus in a little bit more on that verse that we brought from Song of Songs, from Shir Hashirim, and we're just going to um, expound on it a little bit. Um, Darash Rava, this is tangential completely. Darash Rava, Rava expounded. My dichsiv, what does it mean in the Song of Songs when it says, How beautiful are your feet in sandals, bas nadiv, O daughter of the nobleman, the noble person. What does this mean? So he answers follows. Kama na'in raglein Yisrael. How beautiful are the feet of Israel. Now we're not going to really say feet. Are the footsteps of Israel. Bisha'ah sha'olin la'regel. At the time when they ascend to the temple during the festivals. The word ban The word that I translated as sandals. At that root, you also have the word ole to ascend. So we're going to explain that it's referring to the ascension that is done to the temple during the holidays. And what we're saying is, therefore, during the festivals. And what we're saying is, is how beautiful are the footsteps of the Jewish people as they ascend to the temple during the holidays. And then 
how do we know this is a reference to the Jewish people? Well, it's Bas Nadiv, the daughter of the noble. Bito Shal Avraham Avinu, which is the daughter of Abraham, the patriarch, our father. Shenikra, that is called Nadiv, who was known, who is called the noble person. Avraham was called the noble person. We are the daughter of Avraham. And um, so it's a reference to the Jewish people. Shenemar, as we know, Nidivei Amim Ne'esafu, the nobles of the nation gathered, Am Eloke Avraham, the nation of the God of Abraham. Eloke Av- that's a, that, is a, um, that is a verse that is written in Tehillim in Psalms. And the question is, Eloke Avraham velo Eloke Yitzchak v'yakov. It says that it's the God of Avraham. But what about the God of the other patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob? Is God not also the God of Isaac and Jacob? Rather, in this context, we refer to God as only the God of Abraham because we're referring to the nobles of the nations gathering and to, to, uh, to appear basically before God, to, to come before God. And we know that it was Abraham that was the beginning of the people that appeared before the one and only God. So that's why it's a reference like that. But we see the noble people in the context of Abraham. Abrahams are referred to as the noble so the children of the nobles, the Jewish people, the children of Abraham. Okay. Now that we've mentioned several rulings of Rabbi Tanchum that were actually um, relevant to the topic at hand, appearing in the temple during the festivals, we're now going to go on and teach a little bit more of Rabbi Tanchum's teachings, although they are not relevant to the topic at hand. Omar Rav Kahana. Rav Kahana said, Darash... Rav Nasan Bar Minyumi, Mishum Rabbi Tanchum. Rav Nasan Bar Minyumi expounded in the name of Rabbi Tanchum as follows. My dichsiv, what does it mean when it's written? Vahabor reik ein bomayim. So in the story of Joseph and his brothers, his brothers throw him into a pit. And about that pit, the Torah tells us, Vahabor reik, the pit was empty, ein bomayim. There was no water. Now, seemingly, if the bore, if the pit is empty, then of course there was no water. Why does the Torah teach us that there was no water after stating that the pit was empty? From the fact that it says, that the pit is empty, won't I know that there was no water? What is it teaching us? Rather, what the Torah is teaching us is, yes, there was no water. It was empty of water. But there were snakes and scorpions inside of that pit, which paints this as a very different type of story than we had thought, right? That means that the brothers threw Yosef into a pit that was filled with snakes and scorpions. Very interesting. But we're now going to get back um, to talking about the mitzvah of appearing in the temple for the festivals. Tanurabanan. The rabbis taught, Maisa b'Rabbi Yochanan ben Baroka v'Rabbi Elazar ben Chisma. There is one time, a story with Rabbi Yochanan, the son of Baroka, and Rabbi Elazar, the um, and Rabbi Elazar Chisma. Shahochu lahakbil penei Rabbi Yeshua b'Pekin. They went to visit their rabbi, Rabbi Yehoshua, who lived in Pekin. Omar Lahem and Rabbi Yeshua asked them when he, when they came to visit him. He asked them, "What novel idea did you learn in the study hall today?" Omrulo. So first they said to him, "Tamidecha anu u'me mecha anu shosim." 
We are your students and we drink from your water. We're here to learn from here. You, we're not here for you to learn from us. Amar Lahan, so Rabbi Shua said to them, Afal and even though that may be the case, it's impossible that you'd have a stay at a study hall without any sort of novel idea. I really want to know. Please let me know. So Rabbi Yochanan continues, Whose week was it to teach in the study hall this week? So they answered, Shabbos show Rebbe Lazar ben Azariah Hayasa. It was the week of Rebbe Lazar ben Azariah to teach. So Rabbi Yochanan went on and asked, I'm sorry, Rabbi Yoshua went on and asked, what was the topic? What topic was he teaching about today? Amrulo, so he answered them. They answered him. The Parshas Hakel. They were teach he was teaching us about Hakel, about the idea of gathering in the temple every seven years on Sukkot to listen to the king expound to listen to the king read the Torah. Uma Darashban, what did he have to say about Hakel? So they answered as follows. They explain that Rabbi Elazar was expounding this verse that says, Gather the nation, the males, the females, and the children. And he said as follows, The males, they would come to learn. They have an obligation to learn Torah, so they would come to learn. Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah was of the opinion, which is... Um, is, which is um, which is an opinion that is disputed, but this was his opinion that women have an obligation to to hear the Torah in order to know how to um, to act, but they don't have an, an, um, an obligation in, in of itself to just learn the Torah. So he said, the women are obviously coming to hear in order to process that into um, into action. Taf lama bayin. But children, why would they come? Children can't understand what's being said. Why would they come? So Rebbe Lazar ben Azariah came and taught us, It's in order to give a reward to those who bring them. That was, uh, that was Rebbe Lazar ben Azariah's teaching for the day, their novel idea of the day. Amr Lahem and Rabbi Yeshua responded to these two students of his that taught him what Rebbe Lazar ben Azariah had said that day. You had this precious gem in your hands. And you wanted to keep it away from me. You taught me something precious. Thank you very much. We'll um, we'll stop here for this um, for this uh, for this class um, for three A, and we will continue this um, very soon. So again, what we really spoke about today was the was the the common words that we see by hakel and by appearing in the in the temple three times a year on the festivals and how we learn from that those the common word that they have between them many uh similarities um including who would including some major exceptions to the rules to 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 both of those rules to both to, to hakel and to being appearing in the temple court in the temple during the three festivals that's what we mainly spoke about today spoke about today um, and we also did some expounding of some very interesting verses. And, um, and that is what we did today. Tomorrow, next time we will learn, we'll do some more expounding of very interesting verses that are found throughout Tanakh. Um, okay. And there's also a bit of history also in the, in the, next, uh, the next page of the Talmud. Have a wonderful day.